This episode is not intended for younger audiences. If you're under the age of 18, please turn this off. The opinions expressed do not reflect the views of the podcaster's employers. This week's episode is brought to you by the South Seas Club. Enjoy the Hollywood nightlife with the finest service in town. It is the favorite hotspot of Hollywood legend Neville Sinclair. Enjoy iconic dishes like our classic tomato soup, served with a baguette and an ominous warning from your pilot boyfriend. We hope you enjoy this week's episode of Two Dudes, One Double Feature. And please, stop by the South Seas Club. Welcome! Welcome, everyone, to Two Dudes, One Double Feature, the show in which two dudes talk two films, and we don't really do much else. Uh, I am Dude One, Richard. Dude Two, Joe, over here. How is Dude Two today? I don't know why I'm spacing out my words, but (laughs) how is... Dude, too. Like, do you want me to take out, like, the dead air in between them just to aggravate me in the editing process? Like, what is this? I want you to make more dead air. I want you to expand it. <laughs> I want there to be so much time between... I want it to be, like, Flash from uh, Zootopia. So, it's gonna be... <laughs> this will be longer than the Star Wars episode. Noted. Okay. Nice. <laughs> yes. Yes, it will. Dude, too, is, is doing all right. Uh, because of Mulan, I, I picked up some, uh, some movies last week. I picked up the, I think, Ip, Ip Man, Ip Man, IP, IP, uh, is it? Is it, is it Ip Man? I think it's Ip Man. Ip Man, I guess. I'm going with Ip Man, just, just to hopefully prevent myself from getting embarrassed. I don't know. It's already happened. Too late. I forgot Carl Urban was in Lord of the Rings. You're fine. No, I, th- I think that's more acceptable. I think you're you're th- you're fine. I picked up Crouching Tiger and It Man, and uh, I I had never seen Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon before, and I was just I was really impressed with it. It really, it really blew me away. As far as it's not even just like the action scenes; like it actually has a really good story. And uh, as with a lot of these things, I watched Patrick Willem's video about it. And what's interesting <laughs> about it, too, is, and I never knew this, that this was based on, like, the fourth book in a series or something like that. Okay. So there's a lot of, like, exposition. It makes you think of Star Wars. Like, there's, like, exposition, exposition of things that you've never seen before, never heard of before. And it just, uh, you just roll with it, but it works. Um, the cast is really good. The action scenes are, they're so beautiful. And it's so strange to watch it first because, you know, you think, oh, it might be a serious story, but it's it's like you get used to it. But like when you see people walk like running on walls and it looks like graceful almost, but it's not. And, you know, there's some great action scenes, too, that are intense. But like it, it just some like especially at night, some of the scenes where they're like walking on water, or hopping on water or whatever. I'm just like, man, that's wild. I just think of like. Because I've never seen the movie, but I've seen, like, the the image where they're, like, standing on, like, the tips of the trees or something. Yeah. Yeah, like, that's the that's the thing I always think of with Crouching Tiger, which is just insane. Yeah, it, that, that scene was pretty crazy, too, because I, I had actually never seen, ne- never seen that, like, scene referenced or anything before. 
uh, to my knowledge. So it was actually kind of wild seeing that. One of my favorite sequences, though, is when this one character is uh, is at like this bar, this place, and they kick everybody's ass. <laughs> and this beautifully timed gag where this thing this thing collapses and it's oh man it's so great but yeah i definitely recommend it i picked up the 4k really nice and it man i watched the first one i gotta watch the other two in the trilogy set and then i guess i gotta watch the fourth one at some point but the first one i was talking to you about this the first half hour plays like a 90 stereotypical 90s or early 2000s like family comedy <laughs> where the dad's been clearly working too much and has to spend more time with his family and is very lighthearted. It makes me think of the kung fu version <laughs> of uh, Life is Beautiful where Life is Beautiful starts as a romantic comedy, basically, like the first chunk of it. Right. And then the last part, even though it's much darker than It Man in a lot of ways, um, Life is Beautiful is like, they're in the Holocaust, whereas Ip Man, there's like, you know, uh, the Japanese inv invasion of um, this Chinese territory or this area. And, uh, you know, it's much more graphic at that point. It's way more, um, way more intense. Um, even like the cinematography and the, the lighting is way different from the first part, which I'm not saying the first part was colorful, but it was like bright. And some of the action scenes were like, like goofy, like the way they do certain shots. It looks like it's like a video game character, like entering into a battle occasionally <laughs> just without like the health bar or like the name of the character popping up on screen. But I really enjoyed it. Um, honestly, it was, it was a good time. And, Oh, and then I watched, um, this, this British, I think it was a British horror movie called Night of the Demon. You were telling me about this. And uh, this, I had, I had only heard about this movie only because of two things. One, the director had previously directed uh, some of my favorite movies, including Cat People and uh, Out of the Past. And I found out Dana Andrews was in it. And the only other thing I knew was that, like, the famous, like, cover of it was, like, a really iconic, like, sort of iconic cult image, basically, the image of the demon. Mm-hmm. It was really good. Um, it was it was really good. I really enjoyed it. Um, it. It kind of like if it didn't have the supernatural elements, it it made me think of some of the, uh, some of that director's works with Val Luton. I think J Jacques Tourner or whatever is the director's name. He worked with Val Luton on like Cat People and a couple other movies, and they're very much like psychological. Okay. Uh, based basically, like with this movie, Dana Andrews is like an American scientist, and he comes in. And he's trying to disprove this cult, and he gets cursed. And he doesn't believe it, but all these, like, strange things start happening to him. And it, it's kind of wild. And I, I really I really enjoyed it. So, enough from me. No, no, no. How, how no, was Dude I, I was enjoying that, actually. Why'd you cut yourself off? What the hell? <laughs> because, well, is it because you don't have anything to talk about? Is that why, Richard? No, I have something to is, talk about. Do you have about. nothing to mention? No, I got something oh, okay, to talk well, about. I got something to talk about. But like, again, I've told you this before. Enthusiastic Joey is my favorite Joey, so I like when you just go ham on something. I'm like, I'm gonna let him go. <laughs> I'm gonna let him ride today. Let him ride the wave. Today, <laughs> we are going to talk about two movies. <laughs> we're two guys. But I'm over here. Just we're like, two men. <sighs> just God oh, no. Um, that's cool though. I know you were telling me about some of those, and I've I I, I watched. Uh, letterbox to see when you would put your review up so that's pretty cool um i okay this is this is kind of a i, I guess you consider this a milestone 
in my life. Um, well, I have two. One I'm going to save for the next episode because I think it's more appropriate for that. Yeah, we've planned further, funny enough. Um, this, is gonna, this is probably going to sound weird to some people, but uh, last night, for the very first time ever, I watched in its entirety, without falling asleep, Lord of the Rings, <laughs> Fellowship of the Ring. <laughs> This is where you'll get half of our audience going, what? It's taken you this long to do that? And the other half going, totally understandable. <laughs> you know what's funny? Speaking of that, I was go when I went on Letterboxd to write my review of it, or whatever little blurb I was going to do, it's one of the few movies where it took forever to find like any review that wasn't four or five stars. <laughs> I was like, wow! <laughs> like, this movie resonated with people. It's insane. Um, oh, yeah. But, uh... Like, I, I didn't see the movie when it came out in theaters. My parents did, and they hated it. My sister watched it. She didn't like it all that much. Um, and that was just kind of, like, it. Like, I never, like, bothered to watch them. And I, I'd seen bits and pieces of it um, just from going to friends' houses. The same with, like, Two Towers and, uh, was it Return of the King? And, um, obviously, just seeing the fan base for this thing grow exponentially. Like, seeing people with elf ears and... You know, like, Peter Jackson, like, making uh, appearances, or, like, the actors, like, you know, are showing up on Colbert, like, because Colbert's a huge Lord of the Rings fan. Like, like, do you have your prop? And they're like, check it, Steven. Check it. <laughs> and so, like, like, that was my only real experience. And I've tried to watch the first one so many times. You know this. We've talked about this. Mm -hmm. um, I've tried to watch it so many times. And I joke because... You know, that's just what I do. Um, that, like, you know, the movies just bore me. And, like, to, there is some detriment. There is, a, to some people's detriment, I've said this. The, the one person I, I do apologize to in that regard is your brother. Because I know he loves the movie, so I love you, Mike. Um, he does like the first two-thirds of the Lord of the Rings <laughs> movies. <laughs> well, so if I don't like, what, Return is it Return of the King or is it Two Towers? Which one? Return of the King. Return All of the right, King. So if I if which, I don't like that one, then I'll yeah. just be like, Mike, how awful is Return of the King, right? Like, oh god. <laughs> it's it's I'll say this about Return of the King. It's like it makes me think of any other like third movie in a trilogy okay. where it's got the highest highs and the and then the lows that are so low that they're in like the Earth's core. Oh, like I just I think there's some dumb things in Return of the King. <laughs> and it's also Again, it's what's funny with me is that like I own like the extended versions. So whenever I rewatch Lord of the Rings, it's the longer versions. Um <laughs> no, see, cause that's that's the thing. Like watching the first one for as many times as I had attempted it, like just from the opening scene, like in the Shire, I'm already I'm already not into it. Because like I get that they have to be like innocent before the adventure goes and like things get darker and the and the hobbits have to like experience i guess life because that's part of the metaphor you know like going on the journey mm -hmm. but they're like disney store employee nice like it's just it feels fake to me <laughs> like what is this happy <laughs> like good god oh man i imagine you'd be the grumpiest hobbit dude you would just be like Oh, you, you'd be like, this? Where's my second breakfast? It hasn't oh! come! The, 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 the middle, the middle earth, uh, delivery service what sucks! What is happening right now? God! 
Why are you celebrating? I don't know what's going on. <laughs> and, then I, and then I have to come in and be like, Richard Rodolph! Oh, I make the conjurer of Joe Dolls! Joe Dolph, thank you for coming! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Speaking of that, Gandalf. I'll say, speaking of Gandalf, he's great. I loved Gandalf. I'll say that. I do love Gandalf. Academy Award nominated performance for him in that first movie. Fun Very fact. Very good. He was he was one of the few people I liked consistently. Like Frodo, I liked more later on. I like him more because I'm I'm in like two hours into Two Towers, um, and I like him a lot more in Two Towers than I do in uh, at least at the beginning, the first half of Fellowship. But it just it the movie's so long, so like that. You know, if you don't catch me enough in like the first few hours or so, or at least the first few minutes, obviously, then I'm just gonna. I don't know. It's just it's it always took a second to actually watch it in its entirety. Plus, I just, it's easy for me to fall asleep during a movie, as I'm sure everybody knows at this point. Um, but I wanted to go into it because I love fantasy, and I I always thought the movies looked cool. So I was I I've been wanting to give them a chance, especially because I hadn't seen any of the other ones in their entirety. But Fellowship, to some degree, in its entirety, like probably eighty percent of it, it would, mm-hmm. unless I had fallen asleep at some point. Right. And so, and obviously, you know, the sleep apnea thing, and for those who don't know, sleep apnea is a curse I have, um, which is being taken care of. So that helps a lot in having more energy to sit down and watch a three hour movie. Um, so it's nice that I finally watched it. Um, I still don't think I love it. Like, it's just okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. um, I will say um, t- uh, two hours into t- uh, two towers, two hours into two towers. Sounds like a good movie. Um, I actually, I'm actually enjoying this one a lot more. Like it's actually keeping my attention. It's actually pretty entertaining. So, um, I anticipate return of the King high highs, low lows, whatever, as long as it keeps my attention, then it gets a win. Okay. So that's a, that's a milestone I've achieved in my life. That's a trophy I've unlocked. I guess you could say. Well, you know, it's, it's great that you bring up Lord of the Rings because I kind of feel like, this week's episode is, is sort of like Lord of the Rings in a sense, because this week, we can really say, is the return of a king. And by king, I mean Timothy Dalton. <laughs> Are you talking about our double features? Yeah, wow. It's like, I want to talk about the movies or something. What? This is so weird. Um, <laughs> uh, but before, I will say, at the top of this, well, not really, it's not even at the top. We're like 13 minutes in at this point. This is our second listener-requested double feature um, from uh, a one Chris Olivier, our our friend from the Great White North. Love you, Chris. Love you, Chris. Maybe not as much as Brian from Idaho, but <laughs> <laughs> but it's hard to talk him. Listen, we're, we're we're not at that part of the show yet, Richard. Come on, we gotta come on. Listen, I need to share my love for Brian. <laughs> <laughs> it's so much funnier now <laughs> anyways um our first film in this double feature is uh an early 90s gem uh very underrated movie i think we could both agree on this um it's a disney classic the rocketeer you know i would i would also say too i think it's one of the few disney cult classics you got a good point actually with, with, with a lot of Disney movies, 
especially the animated ones, a lot of them are just classics, mm-hmm. right? Like Snow White's Snow White classic. You can't dispute that. Sorry. Pinocchio classic, you know, Cinderella, yada, 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 whatever. But there's definitely some Disney films out there that while yes, they may have their fans. They are not, they don't have like, they might not have theme park tie-ins. They, you know, might not have sequels or anything like that. This has like something akin to that, but it took a long time. But, uh, of course, we're t- talking about The Rocketeer, and this is definitely one of those movies where, at the time of its release, it underperformed. Like, it cost $35 million, $35, $40 million to make. Only ended up making $46 million worldwide. So, any plans for a sequel, that which they do set up in this movie, those, those plans were abandoned. So, usually we talk about that stuff towards the end of whatever movie we're talking about, but I figured... Bring that up now, because I I think it provides a context for this. You know what I think part of the reason for that is? I mean, I'm sure, like, part of it is just because maybe marketing or something, because there was some dispute and some issues with that regarding Timothy Dalton and his James Bond career. Mm -hmm. But one thing I was thinking about the whole time watching it was, so this movie comes out in, what, 1991, right? 91. And this is during this, like, this is a post-Batman time when it comes to, like, these comic book movies, where for some reason, I'm sure we've talked about this um, in a couple previous episode, but uh, for some reason, Hollywood decided, let's not adapt these other superhero characters from, like, DC or whatever. Let's do characters that feel like Batman. And Batman, at his core, is a very, like, I guess, pulpy character. Mm-hmm. So... Um, even when there was, and even when they didn't make films that adapted like the more pulp heroes, even the other ones like The Crow, or even Dark Man had like a pulpy nature to them. But like in the early '90s, we had Dick Tracy in 1990, also from Disney. We had The Shadow, we had The Phantom, and with like who remembers The Phantom unless you're like a really huge Billy Zane fan? I feel like Chris Olivier, Chris Olivier would remember it. Honestly, you know what, Chris Olivier would remember <laughs> the Phantom. You would. We love you, Chris. You 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 are very knowledgeable in this stuff too. But no, like these are movies. That, admittedly, I have somewhat of a nostalgia for these movies, but this was kind of the thing. And so I think, unfortunately, the Rocketeer, even though like Batman is an inspir- is an inspired pulp character in that he's um he was created in the eighties with heavy inspiration from these kind of pulp characters. So. It just kind of sucks that he got thrown into this mix um, during for between all these movies that didn't do very well because people were like, we, we don't we don't want to watch these. Mm-hmm. Like comic book fans are like, what are you doing? <laughs> what you made Batman? It was great. What why why aren't you making the other characters? I don't know who's the Shadow from the thirties. What I don't know. I just think I just thought that was that has. I feel like that has to be some kind of factor in it. You know what I mean? It could be part of it. Sure, it could be part of it. But let's let's talk about the the movie itself. You know, it takes place 1938 Los Angeles. You know, you have basically it, it makes me think of a lot of other movies, which we'll get to later. But like basically, not the Nazis and and gangst uh, with the hired help of gangsters and uh, a certain. Uh, Timothy Dalton uh, are looking for this this rocket pack, uh, this rocket pack, um, you know, and the feds are, of course, trying to investigate things and all that. And the rocket pack comes into the hands of uh, Cliff Secord, you know, uh, shenanigans ensue. 
Cliff Secord in his 90s pretty boy haircut. Like middle part like with like the like the waterfalls on the side haircut thing. Like every 90s kid like you saw it like everywhere. Like if you were if you were a youthful young lad in his teens or early 20s or so, that was the haircut to get. Dude, it really he really makes the thing of like a not Brendan Fraser, Brendan <laughs> Fraser. <laughs> right? He he totally oozes um Rick O'Connell from the Mummy movies. <laughs> And uh, that's I'm not trying to insult like Billy Campbell or anything. It's just like that was like the vibe that I was getting. <laughs> and I do like the mummy quite a bit. Again, another nineties movie too. Set, set back in the day. <laughs> set back in the day and have like the you know, almost like this uh, sort of a semi pulpy uh feel. But this movie, okay, so obviously, you know, young pilot Cliff Secord comes into um possession of this rocket pack. He has a a mentor uh, played by Alan Arkin. <laughs> like, I've said this before about others, but Alan Arkin is also a treasure. He kind of plays the same dude in every movie, but he's just so good at it. You know what I mean? Like, he's one of the few... Like, he's like, he's like, um... What's that? What? How? Oh, I, I keep forgetting his name. The actor that plays, like, drill sergeants a lot in movies. Uh, Ar- Arlie Army or whatever? Yes, like, like he kind of plays... He kind of played the... I mean, he's he changed it up a little bit. But he played a lot of those same characters as well. But it's just he was so good at it. Plus, he was an actual drill sergeant. But that's a whole other thing. Like Alan Arkin, <laughs> like 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 he's got experience. But like Alan Arkin is just so good at playing this kind of like snarky, sarcastic, but like like apathetic kind of dude. Like he 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 ca- he cares about like the people. Like he obviously loves people. Like in Little Miss Sunshine, he obviously loved the daughter because he was close to her. Um, even in Argo, he obviously cares about John Goodman and Ben Affleck, but he just has this like sarcasm and snarkiness and, but it, it's, it's just so fun and I love it. Yeah. He, he's great in this, um, you know, Jennifer Connelly. Yeah. Jennifer Connelly. This is this, this is probably one of two movies during her like early years that I've actually seen. Yeah. And I, I actually think she's quite, she's quite good in this um in this role and what i like about her character of jenny jenny blake jenny blake is, is that i'm not i'm not saying she's like the most revolutionary like groundbreaking like you know feminist character or anything like that but you know what she is she's still jenny from the blake sorry i had to do that it was in my head if i couldn't get that out you know what she I is she got she got to play a scene with neville sinclair <laughs> <laughs> I have finally played a scene with Neville Sinclair. I, like she actually, it, it feels like she actually does some things. Like 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 when in the, when she's captured, it feels like she's doing some investigative, you know, spy ish mm-hmm. stuff in this movie. So it's also the movie's also kind of a spy movie too because uh, the beautiful Timothy Dalton is this Hollywood actor, like almost like an Errol Fl- Errol Flynn type. Like even like the set looks like straight out of. The Adventures of Robin Hood. But like this Errol Flynn type <laughs> turns out to be a Nazi spy. Who saw who who saw that coming? Like <laughs> Like in all like if you think about it, watching the movie without any kind of context that it has anything to do with Nazis, you just you just watch it and then the Nazi stuff comes in, you're like, huh? <laughs> like, excuse me? It's actually like this one movie that I saw years ago with Barbara, I think Barbara Stanwyck and George uh, George Sanders. Like, and at the end, it turns out he's a Nazi, and he just starts spouting German, and it was like the strangest thing that I've ever seen in a movie. Like, huh? 
Like my, my mom, my mom and I watched that years ago. And we were like, "What the hell is going on?" <laughs> like that's kind of like I knew obviously because I'd seen the movie before and I knew it was coming. But like, like having like trying to put myself in the mindset of having not seen it. Like the moment that stuff comes up, you just go, "Oh my god, he's a Nazi!" <laughs> this whole time. But one of my other favorite things too, one of my other favorite things too, is that you got like the gangsters, and you you think, oh, they just care about money and whatever. But but no, they they actually have like some like moral code where it's just like I'm not working with no two bit Nazi or whatever <laughs> the line is. <laughs> well, you know what you know what's funny about that? They did that in um one of the uh, Marvel DC crossovers. Oh really? Yeah, because there was a uh, there was a. A couple I hadn't read them, but from what I'd seen, Red Skull and the Joker were were like trying to team up or Red Skull was trying to team up with the Joker and the Joker just goes, I'm not working with no Nazi. I may be a criminal mastermind, but I'm an American criminal mastermind. <laughs> <laughs> like even even uh. the Joker <laughs> is like, nah, I ain't working with no Nazi. But I, I think one of the things that I just I, I really like about about this movie i really like the the tone of it mm-hmm. quite a bit you know because there there are some things that are just really silly and you just go is that really gonna work like the piece of gum on the <laughs> uh on the jetpack which 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 is actually a pay a setup and payoff there's a lot of like nice like setup and payoffs in this movie but when you see that and that's like the ultimate like linchpin to defeating everything you're just like Man, I have to put this this piece of chewing gum as like the top ten characters who can defeat Thanos <laughs> while Thanos is using the gauntlet. Listen, now I'm gonna have to start putting a piece of chewing gum on the back of my car whenever I have to go to work, just just to give me that little extra edge. Like, you got this, buddy. All right, <laughs> I can't, I can't. Then the, you find out the gum's gone. You're like, that's why I had a bad day. <laughs> <laughs> no, you just put it on your mask, and like people come up, to, uh, people stay away from you. It's like, oh yeah, this is really working. No, man, it's just gross that you have a piece of gum on your face. Well, guess what? It's working. <laughs> You're staying Woo! away from me. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the other things too, like the tone is, is really great. Like, yeah, there's there's some like serious moments, but there's a lot of like lighter, like like fun comedy scenes. Like when they're in like the the, the South Seas Club, yeah, and he's wearing like the the really tight like waiter outfit, and he's trying to like escape, <laughs> and he's like doing like dancing with just some random lady. I like that the the tone was a lot sillier, and I like that it wasn't like tongue in cheek about it. Like it wasn't trying to like you know, be like, look at us. You know, it was just silly because it was. You know what I mean? Yeah. I like that they I like that they did that. And I like um just I liked the like overall feeling of it. There's that scene in the diner, which is like an effectively like intense scene. That's a good scene. That is a great scene. So like just to paint a picture, you know, spoiler alert. Um there uh these was it the gangsters? That are working for um, uh, Neville Sinclair, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're trying to find Cliff, and he's hanging out at this diner. Which, by the way, this diner is a giant dog. It's amazing. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the diner is a giant bulldog, and it's beautiful. So, like, they're they're trying to find him, and obviously, no one's no one's gonna like you know give Cliff up because everyone in this diner is like they're basically like family. The, they start like trashing things, and they start shooting like different like appliances and like trashing like plates and like displays and whatnot. 
And then they try to burn um, Alan Arkin. PV is his name in the movie. Um, they try to burn PV's face. And you're like, good lord. <laughs> like, dang. Like, this is a Disney movie? <laughs> then again, Disney kills the moms a lot in movies. So, I get, what am I, like, I guess it's okay. <laughs> I guess it makes sense. It's like what what was what 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 was the emotionally scarring like movie scene for you as a child? Was it Bambi? Was it Mufasa? Was it PV nearly getting his face burned off? Let us know in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> or fi- or finding out that uh, uh, James Bond is a Nazi, dude. That you know what? How crazy is that? That Timothy Dalton was playing a a evil Hollywood actor, which is a little relevant right now. That's a secret Nazi. While he was playing James Bond. That would never happen today. That would never happen today. No. Like, I can't, I can't, has Daniel Craig, like, really, like, played anything, like, so unlikable, recent, like, recently? Not, like, like, the closest I can think of is probably his character in, um, in Tintin. But you don't even see him. Yeah, he's like a he's basically a voice. So that that I doesn't even count. And he no. wasn't a Nazi. He's not a Nazi no. in that one. No. I mean, I guess the closest he's come to a Nazi is the this the bit party at as a stormtrooper in Star Wars. Yeah, I'm thinking about like I'm also just thinking about like big stars today like like Robert Downey Jr. You know, right? Like you would, ne- you would never like he's he's played Robert Downey Jr. is a great actor. He's played many parts, but like you would never have him as like a nazi scientist or like right or like you would you would not have that uh that that is actually really crazy that that even happened like when you brought up that he was james bond while this was was going on i'm like wow that's actually pretty wild that's that is so wild like think about like this too i'm gonna bring up two examples one chris evans he didn't play i when he was captain america i'm pretty sure during that time he wasn't a villain like he didn't play like great people in between. Like Snowpiercer, he's the hero, but he but he did some terrible things. Right. If you remember mm-hmm. some of the stuff he's done in that movie, and then he didn't really play a villain until after he was done when he was in Knives Out. Yeah. Like that's the only thing I could think of. And then like another one would be Mark Hamill mm-hmm. because Mark Hamill play obviously very famous for playing Luke Skywalker. Um, later on in his career would end up being, like, the most famous voice of the Joker and even go on to play, like, a million other villain characters. So, I mean, it obviously didn't happen while he was Luke. So, like, it's just, it's so crazy to think that, like, and that even, and that's even was, like, the whole situation with, like, the advertisements because, um, like, you know, the, the, the beautiful Art Deco poster. Oh, yeah. They have, like, in the ad, like, that's such a great poster. And so they needed to really advertise that Timothy Dalton was in this movie. And so they completely rechanged the poster. And the poster looks like a generic Marvel movie poster now. Which is funny because, like, this was, like, way before the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> right. Like, literally looks like the poster for, like, Iron Man. <laughs> oh, it totally does. I used to have, like, the uh, the Iron Man theatrical poster. I'm just thinking about, like, looking at it. I'm like, man, you just change a few things around. That's just the Rocketeer poster. <laughs> That's literally just the Rocketeer poster. Why are you copying Joe Johnston? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. But that's just wild though. That I just that was crazy that that's how it was playing. But out. my first I was thinking about that poster. I just want to bring up the story. My my first exposure to that poster was when I was a kid. My AMC used to be a Lowe's theater, okay? 
And they had a lot of, like, posters from the 90s there. Like, I remember this Beauty and the Beast poster. It was, like, the strangest thing I've ever seen in my life. Where it's Belle and all the other things, like, singing in the middle of a field. And the Beast is, like, this giant cloud. And I'm like, that doesn't happen in the movie? What is that? <laughs> what? That's a real poster. Is this Lion King? Th- this is a real poster. <laughs> and one of the other posters that was there was the Rocketeer. I and I wouldn't and well, another one was Roger Rabbit too, just to bring on the Disney connection. But the Rocketeer poster, I was like, man, this this feels like it feels like a it doesn't feel like a movie poster. It feels like like a like a weird car commercial, like on a poster or something, right? like a really sleek um, thing, you know. So that was like my first exposure ever to the Rocketeer. Um, some of the other things that I want to bring up with this movie too, uh, the special effects were done by ILM. Mm. And I think some of them are like really hold up like quite nicely. And like, th- there's some really beautiful shots um, with the rocketeer, but then there's some moments where, where you're just like, <laughs> Oh, oh. <laughs> like, Oh, okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Which, I, and again, it's one of those cases where, because the movie, it has a more like pulpy feel and maybe taking more influence from, you know, older things, I, I, I'm able to forgive the special effects for a bit, but I know like a younger audience member watching this would be like, listen, that's not acceptable. <laughs> listen, I clearly could tell he's not in, he's not in the sky right now. I can, I, <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> in fact, like, uh, I, don't, I, I gotta say, I don't know if I send you this, but the red letter media video where they talk about the rocketeer and like one of the first things they talk about is how much action has changed since the rocketeer. And literally the first thing that they show with it was like, man, like our standards for action have changed so much. And you just see like the scene in Infinity War just going so fast. <laughs> and like there's so many things going on at once. And you're just like, what is going on? Right. And uh, with, with this, it's like a much simpler thing. Like this movie, this movie's like final battle thing takes place on a blimp. Yeah. On a Zeppelin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ze- yeah. 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 And it's come to think of it, too, like, there isn't, like, there's action in the movie, but there's not, like, huge fight scenes in the movie. No. No. Like, it kind of, it's funny, too, like, we talk about Iron Man. Like, I remember, wa- like, I was watching this movie. It made me think a lot of, like, if our our second movie we'll talk about later, and Iron Man was, like, one movie, it w- it would be the Rocketeer. Iron Man would make another would be another great um, pairing with this, but that is not our other movie in our double feature. Spoiler no, alert: It's not. This feels so much like Iron Man, yet it clearly predates Iron Man by like cut like what sixteen years, give or take. I don't know. Yeah, about sixteen, seventeen years. Um, yeah, it, it's. I don't really think of it as like an action movie no per se it, it really is like and i still look at it as like almost like a superhero origin movie mm-hmm. because you get all the hallmarks of that like you get your down on your luck hero you know his plane is busted again you know he wants to he wants to have a bit better life for him and his actress girlfriend and uh he he lives with alan arkin you know <laughs> typical superhero trope right there and you know and he gets the he gets the rocketeer thing and it's it's kind of fun but also there's a lot of peril involved because Nazis, you know, but again, a lot of it is like the, the South Seas Club scene where a lot of it is just like, there's tomato soup. He puts a message in the tomato soup. Yeah. And you know what? I got it. Speaking of the superhero thing, I have to applaud that this movie gave his costume practicality. Like, I feel like this is kind of early days of practical suits. 
You know what I mean? Because, like, obviously we talked about, look at Batman. Like, it, it's a great-looking suit. Guy can't move his head. <laughs> no. Um, or even, like, again, like, talk about those pulpy characters. Like, like the Shadow completely wears his mask wrong because his nose is hanging out. Don't have your nose hanging out, kids. Uh, but, like, a lot of these characters, like, their costumes are just cool. Whereas, like, with the Rocketeer, like, he has that really sweet, like, like as PV says, hood ornament helmet. But it's made that way because it's meant to be, like, uh, directional. So, like, when he's flying, if he leans his head this way, he can start going, you know, to the left or start going to the right. Which, fun fact, fun fact, Michael Eisner, who was the CEO of Disney, I was reading up on this. Did not want that helmet. He wanted it to be like a NASA-type helmet, but Joe Johnston was like, nah, we're going with the classic, with the more with the more classic um, approach. Well, thank goodness for Joe Johnston then, because that would look dumb <laughs> otherwise. But it, it's also cool, too, because you were mentioning that this was, you know, this was based off of something which I never really realized until recently, but it's actually interesting, too, to read the, I'll pull up the creator's comments, uh, Dave Steve, uh, Dave Stevens said he was satisfied with 70% of the film. And he thought, like, the overall, is this to quote him, the overall spirit and sweetness of the series is still there, intact. We got, we lost some good character stuff in the editing for time, but the tone of it is still what I was trying to project in the comic pages. And that's ultimately what you, like, for any adaptation, as long as you can get the the feel, the tone, and, and the overall, like, message of the original source... And the character, obviously, especially if it's like a comic book, then at that point, I think, you know, whatever creative liberties are taken or whatever's lost, I think then that's forgivable. What are some other like great moments in the movie? Like when they're like, oh, so like setups and nice, like clever things that they do. And some of this I'm stealing from the Red Letter Media. One of them is like the fact that like the set falls apart. Right. It's like a fraud you know, basically, or like, again, the tomato soup. What does Jenny have earlier in the movie at, when they're at the little diner? Tomato soup. What does Cliff get her at, at the uh, at the South Seas Club or whatever? Tomato, tomato soup. soup. And then, of course, the gum, which is stronger than Thanos. You know, that's been <laughs> those used a couple times in the movie and then ultimately defeats Nazis to Timothy Dalton. Listen, if it can defeat Timothy Dalton, Nazi or not, then that's enough evidence for me that it could defeat Thanos. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, you know what? And then another thing I wanted to bring up too, as far as like, because we were talking about like a lot of like pulpy references and um, all of that. One of the characters in the movie, like the really big dude in the movie, uh, uh, played by Tiny Ron Taylor is his name. And that makeup was designed by Rick Baker, of course, for America World from, from America World of London, The Grinch, um, and some many other movies. Um, that makeup is actually inspired by a real life horror actor, um, R- Rondo Hatton. Oh, it was the guy's name, and he actually had like a fa- like a condition where his face looked like that. And he was in a couple, he was in a couple like Universal. I think he was in some Universal horror movies. Um, I have one of them on tape. I, I think it was House of Horrors or whatever. But like his his face, once you see it, you'll never forget it. And that, I also kind of like that too, where it's like they're pulling from these other like Hollywood things, you know, to add to it. It's like it's like a spy movie. It's a it's a it's a serial. It's you know a romance. You got um. The classic Hollywood feel. You got this, this weird horror element in this gangster. <laughs> it's got a little bit of everything, honestly, which is nice. It's the perfect movie. <laughs> what else? What else do you want? I was no. gonna say. I, I mean, mean, I I, I really enjoy this perfect, movie, but I mean, I I like it. I mean, oh gosh, I got it. 
e- email. But I like it. So I mean, that's something. <laughs> but, yeah, that's something. Yeah. You know, the whole time though, whenever that guy shows up. I couldn't help but think of Dick Tracy, especially because it came out a year before and like every villain in that movie just looks like somebody like that. Or like 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 the whole the whole shtick is that like like a gangster um has like a weird nickname, but it's not a weird nickname like in any other movie, like Tiny. So it's like and and, and Dick Tracy, like that that nickname is just describing like a deformity. Like flat top is just flat has a flat head. <laughs> Or like little face has a little face, and you're like, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so like, that's the that's what I was thinking of the whole time when um when I was watching that I was like that's I, I feel like they just he just walked off the Dick Tracy lot and went over to do uh went over to do the Rocketeer. One of the things I really I really love too, it's just like the the, the one scene we talked about like iconography like the scene. Where he's like standing in front of the American flag oh. in his Rocketeer outfit with, the, with, with his gun, just, just looking great. Yo, it's, it's just fabulous. Especially like right as he's going to fight some Nazis, you know that that inspires patriotism. And the music is pretty solid in this movie too. I just want to give a brief shout out to uh, the music in this movie, which was done by uh, James Horner, classic composer. Unfortunately, passed away a couple years ago. And he also did uh, the music for our first movie. It, one of our fir- our first uh, double feature, um, he did the Ma- the Mask of Zorro music, which is one of my all time favorite movie scores. I like it, I like it a lot. But the Rocketeer, I, I think it's one of those movies where I I, I feel like I don't want to say it's not for kids, not because of like the content or not because of like oh my god, this is just so inappropriate for kids. Even though there's like there's like a me there's basically a a Me Too joke before Me Too happened that happens in this yeah. movie. Yeah, I mean the whole the whole thing is there's evil villain actors. So I mean, <laughs> it's, uh, I, like W. C. Fields in this movie is portrayed as a perv, <laughs> but it's also one of those things where it doesn't have a lot of action. Like I was just saying before, like our standards for action and stuff have changed so drastically in between 1991 and now. You know, we we expect a, we have a different level of expectations. Even even back then, you know, I'm sure that there were like a there's a different level of expectation. You know, right. people saw things like Batman and some of these other um, movies. But I feel like if you are somebody who can appreciate this kind of movie, like something that has some action scenes, but it's got fun characters. I think it's well made. Joe Johnston is a really solid director. We'll get more into him later. And just like it, overall, I think like a lot of the pieces just kind of work together and creates a really solid movie. It does, and uh, it's one that I I want to watch more of because it's it's it take a ah what am I trying to say? It's taken a while for me to watch it, so I'm happy to have this excuse to watch it again for this show. You can watch it on Disney Plus if if you're trying to look for it, folks. Like if you're like I can't find this, this isn't on Netflix. It's on Disney Plus. You should sponsor us, Disney Plus. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> anyway we're gonna take our um our howard hughes sponsored uh rocket packs fly off for a bit and hopefully when we come back with our rocket packs intact we're going to be talking about uh red white and blue and the mcu stay tuned
ladies and gentlemen, let's hear a nice round of applause for Brian from Idaho and Tim Sachs. I like to change it up every single time. Okay. Okay. <laughs> You're just not impressed at this point. Uh, I'll never impress Joey again. Listen, I'm sure Brian from Idaho, if he was listening in right now, would be very impressed. You think he would? I think he would. But listen, I don't care about Brian right now. That's that's not that's controversial. I don't care about it right now. <laughs> Oh, why is that why is that controversial? Well, because <laughs> I want to record this episode and get on with my day, but that's besides the point. <laughs> I just get messages from him going like, Hey man, when's the new episode coming out? Hey man. Hey man. Um I, I hope I'm not being a bother. You are being a bother. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry, I needed to get out uh let out my um frustrations with Brian from Idaho. Anyway, Welcome back to the second half of our program, Two Dudes, One Double Feature, as Richard is, um, I guess, uh, had some laughing gas in the room, because he's just laughing hysterically what I'm saying right now. Okay. <laughs> that was a lot funnier than I expected. <laughs> oh, man. We'll talk more about that later, because this is funny. Um, anyway, yes, we're back, um, and our... Uh, second double feature is uh, from a familiar voice, from a f- uh, familiar point of view. Uh, it is a second Joe Johnston film, and that is uh, also a second period piece superhero film from Joe Johnston. Ladies and gentlemen, I am talking about Captain America, the first Avenger. Hooray! Now I just feel undermined. I put all that effort into it. You just pooped on it. <laughs> it's my it's my job, man. I got to keep you grounded. You just got to poop on everything. <laughs> I can't I can't let you fly off like the rocketeer. Just stick the gum on my jetpack and let me fly. No, I'm gonna pull it. Oh, I'm gonna pull the gum off so you can go. Wah! Well, you know what? At least I'm going because I'm having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you're feeling something. No, Captain America: The First Avenger, 2011 film, the fifth movie. Of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is a weird, it, it's a weird thing to think about with, like, with a lot of movie franchises where it's just like, oh man, when they get to the third film, it's a big deal. But with Marvel, you had, like, four other movies that came out before, like, what was it? Yeah, four other movies that came out before this one, which is kind of wild to think about. You know, we didn't know what was happening, and then when, like, 2011 rolled around, we were like, oh, this is happening. <laughs> oh, they're going for it. They're actually doing it? What? Wow. And I mean, sadly, like if you if you wanted to be really honest, you know, between like Iron Man and Captain America, there was kind of like some 
you know, just we had to get through some stuff just to get to this point. But you know what? At least we got to this point. We got there. We got there. So Captain America, the first Avenger 2011, like I said, Marvel Cinematic Universe, yada, yada, yada. Joe Johnston directed this one. And apparently um, John Favreau was interested in directing this movie at some point. John Favreau, of course, directed the first Iron Man and Iron Man 2 and remains an executive producer in a bunch of the um, Marvel movies. Joe Johnston, I, th- you know, in a lot of ways, just thinking about him, was the perfect choice for Captain America, the first Avenger. You know, obviously, like, you look at his resume, and special effects-driven movies, a lot of them, you know, like Jumanji, mm-hmm. of course, uh, The Rocketeer. Jurassic Park 3 isn't the greatest movie ever made, but I still think it's a fun monster movie, and the Spinosaurus is a great antagonist. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Thank you for bringing that up. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yes. Uh, I still, you know what I always want, speaking of that, you know what I always wanted to do, um, and I'm sad that I missed the opportunity, was I always wanted to go to the, um, the, because didn't Disney uh, make like a theme park out of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? It was like you felt small and you walked around this like. There was, well, there's a couple things. There was Honey, I Shrunk the Audience, which was a 3D show Mm -hmm. that played at the parks, that played at some of the parks for a while. And there was also in Disney's Hollywood Studios, uh, the Honey, I Shrunk the Audience, um, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids like little playground. And there was like a giant ant. You felt small. But that was torn down when they were doing, like, all the different expansions to Hollywood Studios, mm-hmm. like Galaxy's Edge and Toy Story Land and all that stuff. I wanted to do that so badly when I was a kid. I was like, how cool would that be? Just to be, like, small, you know? Or, like, have the feeling of it. I don't know. I thought that would be really cool when I was younger. It's actually kind of fu- kind of funny, too, because you went on that Journey to Imagination ride. And that ride is technically, like, connected the way it is connected to like the Honey I Shrunk the Kids right. franchise, it, it like it's so weird. But moving on from that, Captain America, I, I can't believe it took us that long to get to Captain America. <laughs> a f- neat little movie that I didn't fully appreciate when I first saw this back in 2011. I didn't like it when I first saw it. I didn't like it at first. I did not like it at first. I thought this was a complete joke. I thought like it was like when I was a kid again. I, I, when I was younger, I should say, I didn't know any better. I'm like, wow, I really, w- my brother and I really wasted our money on this, you know, because I was like, oh man, because I, I really, lo- you know, I still love Iron Man and all that, but I was like, I really liked the other ones, the other Marvel movies, but it was really one of those Marvel movies where I think I actually really appreciated it more as time went on and as more Marvel movies kept being made. For me, um, I remember seeing it in theaters and I was already kind of grumpy because um, we were going like me and my friend and I, we were going to um, the other movie because there's like two movie theaters near me that are like 30 minutes apart each and are like 15, 20 minutes, somewhere around there. And we ended up going to the one I don't go to and a uh, one that I, I don't like. And I hate it, honestly, because, you know, they don't keep up to date with anything it's messy like like the 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 film would always break because they still had film at this theater at the time and um it was just not a great experience um and i I had a massive headache that night too and it was comic-con and the year previous i went to comic-con and i wanted to go again but we couldn't afford it so i was like huh so (laughs) so it just was already kind of a bum move but i was hoping to you know go see this movie and have a good time and um i don't know i just just being in an uncomfortable seat with a headache and already just kind of being bummed out. I was just like, like this movie's dumb. (laughs) 
<laughs> like, <"Egh." laughs> I was I was that whiny kid. But like you said, yeah, it's a movie that as time has gone on, especially from subsequent uh, rewatchings of like the whole MCU like series, essentially, um, it was one of the few that has grown in my in my head is like one of the better ones especially not even just from like phase one but in general because mm-hmm. like if you look at how phase one at least for me only really has like two or three great movies and the rest are like kind of eh. and then and then phase three starts and then like there's like two genuinely great movies and um i didn't really start loving things and still phase three but at least like captain america the first avenger just kind of um, started coming back on my radar, and I started enjoying it a lot more um, as time had gone on. Yeah, I, I think I think for me, part of it is just like what a lot of the things that people complained about with the MCU is that oh, they're all the same movie, right? And some of them you could definitely you could definitely say that about. The thing I like about Captain America is, and I remember we talked about this about the action scenes like a while ago, mm-hmm. right? How how like different how different the action scenes are versus like the way the Russo brothers did them in the Winter Soldier. Yeah, and I was kind of I was kind of like saying like it makes total sense why it would happen like this because this is like such a such a period piece, such a you know almost like a send up to those like more pulpy ish superheroes like the rocketeer and some of like the action scenes would be a little maybe goofier right a, a, a little more enha- enhanced like the way captain america fights and kicks things and, and all that whereas you know when you get to the later movies with captain america there's more of a logic to it there's more um more concrete physics i guess which still sounds silly with a superhero but with this movie it, it's just kind of fun to see to see them just play around with the fact that yeah they got a superhero you know he doesn't he can't fly but he could still do some like some crazy crazy fun things and i mean even just what you were saying like it stands out so much even just from like the first few movies like even thor like thor just felt like such a like weird mixture of things because it like it was trying to be funny like the iron man movies but then it tried to be its own thing and it was just kind of weird mix of things whereas i think with joe like joe johnston when he was doing captain america i think he was just like let's not try to make iron man again you know let's let's actually like make the movie that would be perfectly fit for captain america and i think they did that pretty well when you really think about with these Marvel movies, I think the greatest thing that these Marvel movies have done, arguably, is made a character named Captain America compelling to a worldwide audience. Let me say that again. Yes, yes, yes. Let me say that again. They made a character named Captain America compelling to people outside the U.S. I think about the meme all the time where they're just like, well, you know, Captain America is just better than the real America. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, you know what? Like, if there was an ideal for America to strive towards and being better, I would say Captain America is a, a good a good place to look to. I used to work at a video store, right? I've told you know this. Um, listeners don't know this. I used to work at a video store, and we were talking about the MCU, and we started talking about Captain America, and this was around the time I was starting to appreciate it more as a movie, and one of my coworkers. Um, started going oh i hate that movie i'm like uh well, what don't you like about it and she's like it's just a giant propaganda for america and i'm like uh what <laughs> it's like yeah all it does is all it does is just it's, it's this giant like american propaganda thing and i i hate that 
I'm like, are you sure you watched the, the whole, did you watch the whole movie? She's like, no, I only watched like the first half of it. And I'm like, ah, okay. That explains everything. Maybe you should watch the rest of it. She's like, I don't want to. I'm like, you do you girl. Uh, but I, I just, I do like, this also makes me think of the Rocketeer where, yeah, and there's probably, there's more action scenes in this than there are in the Rocketeer. But like, I do like how the action scenes, it, it, there's a certain like quality about them that, that just makes them kind of just really fun. like Saturday matinee style to watch. Like when, when the, my favorite action scene, in the whole movie is after he gets his like super soldier serum and he's doing the chase. That is a really great scene. <laughs> that is no. Even though it, it, it's on the nose, but I think that's kind of the, the fun about the movie is a lot of it's on the nose intentionally. But like when he picks up the door and it's got a star on it and he uses it as a shield, you're like, that's just fun. I, I, don't, I, I like that. I don't care what anyone says. I just think that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just kind of fun, funny too because like he's just getting used to the fact that he's just this, this big, he's this big dude. He's now Chris Evans. And he's just like, what? The best part of that whole scene is, like, when he's running, but he's like, oh, God, and he, like, crashes into that store. <laughs> You're like, sorry! Like, that was great. Yes. That was, that was my favorite part of that whole scene. Or, like, the little kid, too, because I like when he, the little kid gets hot. It's like, go get him! I can swim! I love that. Oh, I, I, you know what? We need, we need more movies where, like, the civilians, like, actually take part in in what's going on or like have like a little like moment here and there like it's spider-man where you have like all like the people in new york <laughs> defending spider-man or whatever listen normalize competent citizens listen to me again normalize competent citizens in superhero movies i'm just saying that that was great but let's get to chris evans mm. okay again i was thinking talking about like how captain america is arguably the greatest achievement of the MCU is making him such a compelling character. And a big, arguably the biggest piece in that is Chris Evans, who funny enough declined this role multiple times because in his mind, he was like, okay, if this fails, cause he already did fantastic four by this point. Mm. If this fails, I'm, I'm effed. If this succeeds, I'm effed, you know? <laughs> and you could totally see that too. Cause like, He's played Captain America so many times. Like, think when you think about it, he's played Captain America, or at least some incarnation of Captain America, at least once every year from 2011 through 2019. Yeah, it's wild to to really think about that. That he's done. He's played that for so so long, you know. And it's like a TV part where you're worried, like, okay, this actor's been known for this TV role for so long that. Uh oh, what if they do something else and they're not successful? But Chris Evans, so far, he's been pretty okay. Yeah. I mean, he did, he did, like we said, we did, he did knives, knives out, out, you know, uh, Snowpiercer. He he's done he's done some things. Um, um, this one Apple show, I think my mom watches, is Chasing Jacob or whatever. It sounds right. Something Jacob. Yeah, no, Defending Jacob. Uh, yeah, my mom. Defending Jacob. Defending Jacob. Thank you. It's honestly like Chris Evans is what makes pretty much every movie, even if like in Avengers, like. It, he's probably like that's probably my least favorite not to him but just because like captain america is just written weird honestly <laughs> honestly the costume bothers me more than anything like the costume in that movie oh yeah the costume is terrible <laughs> like i i love things that are like goofy but that just feels like they just went to like party city and just put it on chris evans <laughs> you're, you're correct you're so right oh man it, it, it's like no what they, they should have changed the line in that in avengers to we could we could use a little party city in here, not old fashioned. You know, we could probably use a little 
uh, cheap costume right now. You could use a lot of uh, <laughs> use a little uh, spirit of Halloween. <laughs> but what what year is it? Or what 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 season is it? Okay, all right, we could do it. Um, <laughs> but no, like Chris Evans is so. And the funny thing is, my prior knowledge of Chris Evans was him as like a comedian because like I only ever knew him from not another teen movie like as the the jockey character Mm -hmm. who like makes fun of um I forget what scene it was from what movie but like um like the one of the more iconic scenes is like he does the whipped cream on himself like he has like think about this Captain America with whipped cream on his nipples and on his his junk with cherries (laughs) just picture that image because that's in a movie um and human torch yes yeah like just like just being this like silly but like snarky like charming like jockey dude like that was kind of his shtick the craziest thing about that is i think he was perfectly cast as both of those roles he is he really is like it's kind of crazy to think about because yeah like i'm not gonna say the tim story fantastic four movies are like masterpieces of cinema but like they're not i think they're well cast movies with there, there's some fun moments. Like I, I love the scenes with Michael Chiklis as the thing and him as the Human Torch. Johnny, <laughs> <laughs> that is that is that is admittedly fun. Like when he like puts the whipped cream on him and like tries to like get it to work <laughs> or shaving cream. <laughs> the shaving cream. <laughs> <laughs> like nothing works until he has to like because <laughs> like he's putting a feather and it's like it doesn't work. He's like ah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, that's that's just hysterical. But no, yeah, he is. He's just. It, I think it really just um, showed just how great of an actor he is. Because again, he was known for this like one type of character, this one type of role that he was playing, and then he plays Captain America, and he knocks it out of, like every single performance, even when it's the little bit 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 piece in uh, Thor: The Dark World. Like he still does such a great job. Or Spider Man: um, Homecoming. So yeah, you're in detention. You got, <laughs> so you got detention <laughs> in the Avengers suit, no less. I just want like it's perfect, perfect. But no, he and he he's really like the like moral center of like the MCU, and he does such a great job in each film. I think that's why. I think part of the reason why I guess I, when Civil War was coming out, I was Team Captain America, even though I love Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. I just. I think I, I just was really surprised that I just end up really loving Chris Evans as Captain America. Right. He's does such a great job, and it's almost hard. Like, if they ever bring him back, like, that character, it's going to be so hard to see anyone else play him. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do um, I do agree. But this movie also, in addition to Chris em- Evans, I, I would ar- argue has some of the some of the really, like, interesting, like, casting choices in this movie. Like, you got, um, of course, Tommy Lee Jones in this movie his second comic book movie well third actually well no wait hold on let me correct myself at this point he had done batman forever he had done two men in black movies so i'm gonna say his fourth one at this point because i don't think the third one came out till 2013 yeah okay correction this is his fourth comic book movie just wanted to say okay all right all right but of course i'm thinking of two-face of course you have uh, Haley Atwell as agent as Peggy Carter, agent Peggy Carter. You also have um, uh, go-to quintessential villain actor Hugo Weaving as the Red Skull. He is man. 
he he really like dogs on his franchise that he's in sometimes but i really i really like him as the red skull i think he might be one of my favorite um one of my favorite villains and it's just so perfectly like it balances like the menace with sort of like the cheese factor like and his makeup which his makeup which at first i had a huge issue with when i was like when i was younger when i watched the movie first but when i watched it later i'm like this is perfect like this is amazing this is so perfect that it looks like that because you're just like <laughs> yep there's no question about it this dude is pure evil just his like his bright red listen 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 to what i says bright red head and his like weird like skull just it's fantastic it's so good. Uh, he he is so good. Natalie Dormer has a small part in this too. She does pre. What's this pre? Uh, uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah. Pre her. Uh, pre her appearance in Game of Thrones. Yeah. And uh, we have Toby Jones, who uh, plays Arnim Zola, who would become a major villain in uh, one of the later movies. And oh, we got it. Okay. Stanley Tucci. Stanley oh, freaking yes. Tucci. Yes. Oh my god! Like regardless of how i felt about the movie earlier like when i first watched it i always loved stanley tucci in this movie oh, he was great i, I always love because he's so perfect um he's he's got such a like like he's such a nice warm character too just like just like a nice he's just a nice dude and and, and it works so and it works really well because again this is like set during world war ii and so you know, to have a character who's German be portrayed as, like, a good person, like, it's a nice contrast to, like, the typical, you know? The tip, like, like a Doctor Strange love type. Exactly. Like, it's just, it's, it's, it's just nice to, like, see a movie like that where, like, someone who, I guess, more or less is the same as the enemy is actually a good person. I, I really, what, what's the line that he says to him um, in, like, that, like, in their scene together before he gets the su- the soldier serum um, um, about, like, being a good man? Isn't it something like... Because um, he wanted, like, he, di- he didn't want the perfect soldier or something. He wanted a good man. Yeah, something like that. Like, during the, the drinking, like, scene or whatever. Which I do like how the drinking comes back up later in the movie and Captain America's just like, yeah, I can't get drunk. I can't get drunk? <laughs> <laughs> oh man but no even like i even just love it um right before he dies when he gets shot like he points to cap's heart and it's like you know here oh dude dude and like i just love like how they show like like th- like attributes about captain's character like yeah you could you could say like oh yes he you know he said you can have like a character say i'm the good guy or like i'm i'm smart or whatever but like he does like when they they say like oh you got to reach like the flag or whatever Mm -hmm. and anybody who reaches that flag gets that flag gets the ride in here and he's able he just he just pulls the screw out and the thing (laughs) falls down or like when the grenade when like the grenade is is thrown and like everybody else runs away even like the big tough guys but like um uh, like scrawny Chris, scrawny mode Chris Evans is like the one to d- drop on the bomb on like the on the bomb and just like say everybody run I got this or whatever is this a test I'm like and and they were like yep that's the one he's still skinny <laughs> <laughs> oh man Tommy Lee Jones has a lot of great one liners but no that, that it's moments like that like that just really make you root for him too yeah you know like like. When he pulls the pin out or when he dives on the bomb, you really want, like, even when he's not, like, beefy, like, super, like, muscular Chris Evans, 
you know, you still love Steve. Absolutely. Like that's, I think that's the ultimate takeaway. Like, I think that's the one thing a lot of like superhero movies want is, um, you know, if you don't love the man in the suit, then what's the point of seeing the guy in the suit doing superhero mm-hmm. things? Exactly. Absolutely. I mean, that's, I mean, that was, that's what they wanted to do with like, um, like the Batman, like the Chris Nolan Batman movies, which is why he's barely in the bat suit in the third one and whether or not that worked depends on who you are but i think i think with captain america they very much achieved that which is i think part partly why like like in any other instance like the little kid in me would be like why is he not wearing his helmet he's wearing the rest of his suit he's captain america wear your helmet but the whole ensemble it feels off but with him because you love steve so much you're like i'm fine with it absolutely um i really like the the nods to raiders of the lost ark in this movie you have the Red Skull saying, you know, Hitler is searching for his little little trinkets in the desert. Or the fact that, like, like with Raiders, where, like, the villains are defeated because they wanted to know too much or whatever. Like, their heads explode or whatever. And then, like, Red Skull holds the Tesseract and is like, ah, it's not a good idea. And he gets sucked up into space. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, oh, man. That, that was that was great. I'm so glad this movie got made. But I'm, what I'm also glad about is that... Chris Evans, uh, what was it? Captain America doesn't become, doesn't go into the present day until, you know, basically the, the very end of the movie. Right. You know, this isn't like Thor, where Thor's like a fish out of water story, you know, where he's just like, oh, he's on Earth. He doesn't have his powers right now, and he's got to adjust to Earth or whatever. This movie, you know, is a story about this guy. He's a good, he's a good dude. He suddenly has powers. He's got to defeat evil. And you know what's even great about about that moment too is that I think they give they give enough of a gap between um, the the old like the like the thirties or forties time period to the present day where like if you just wanted to stop watching the movie you could do that like if like I I don't I don't recommend it but like if you just wanted to stop watching at that point you totally could because absolutely at that point that story just feels like complete especially with uh especially uh the scene with the kid like running around with the the trash can lid with a painted like a shield which oh, which is uh, yeah. a scene that he does in Rocketeer because remember at the end of Rocketeer like there's those kids playing as if they were the flying man yeah so I don't know if that's just Joe Johnson giving himself a pat on the back, but you know, hey, it's a cool, it's a cool little like, hey. <laughs> but well, you know, he, he's just a perfect guy to to do this because, like, you look at a lot of his movies. They're obviously special effects driven movies, but I think a lot of them, I do think a lot of them are visually like dis- distinct in their in their own ways as far as like the production designs are concerned or like period piece movies like he would work with he worked with hugo weaving before on the wolfman he did which is not the greatest movie but visually I th- i'd say visually like the aesthetics of that movie are pretty great honestly i'll even go enough to i'll go far enough to say this that the unrated cut of the wolfman is actually a pretty decent movie not a great movie but at least like decent it's fine it's a fine movie at that point but as like you said aesthetically it looks great um you know that movie heavily inspired by like the hammer horror type movies so it even has that kind of like similar style to it like it's like significantly more violent than say like a traditional yes like uh universal monster movie yeah absolutely but uh that we might have to do that as a double feature just to talk about it for a second man that would actually i Man, now I'm going to hold you to that at some point. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here, folks. We're talking about it. 
mark it on your calendars. Now that you mention that too, because admittedly, I used to just be like, oh, Joe Johnson's okay. But it's funny to think like, I grew up with his movies. You know, I, I love Honey, I Shrunk the Kid. I love kids. I love uh, Jumanji, which is one of my favorite Robin Williams movies. And even like that movie still like freaks me out. And it's like such an adrenaline rush sometimes. Like whenever, uh, whenever Robin Williams goes, run, it's a stampede. <laughs> and he's just, dude. Okay. Oh, that, that's just great. I, I worked at like, I worked for like, um, a, like a school summer program and I brought in Jumanji for the kids to watch. They were really digging it. Like, these are kids who are, like, you know, I don't want to say, oh, kids don't appreciate anything these days. But, like, you know, you would think, oh, maybe the kids would find the special effects, like, you know, dated and all this. No, they had a really good time. And to the point where they wanted to play the board game and they got excited. Right? You know, about playing the board game. You know, and uh, it, it's just it just shows you, I think Joe Johnston, he, he's one of those directors where he's not, like, he might not be, like, a legendary, like, auteur um, figure like a Guillermo del Toro, Akira Kurosawa, you know, and some of these other people. But he is just a really solid. He's one of the most like solid, like in a way, in a weird way. It's weird to call him a for hire director, mm. but like it's like a like solid like for hire director. There is, you know, who he makes me think of a lot, John Favreau. Yeah, because like we mentioned, John Favreau. I think John Favreau and him are kind of in the same class of. Uh, director where while they may not have any kind of distinctive style they're they're very much like people you can tell joe johnson is the same these are guys that like love the technology aspect of filmmaking Mm -hmm. and so like they want to just keep pushing and pushing pushing technology like regardless if you if you love or hate the new lion king movie like the 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 technology used to make it was impressive that part is absolutely astonishing like you know, I, I'll, I'll defend that portion of it and just say, like, yeah, that was exceedingly well done. And actually, again, you know, Joe Johnston directed Jumanji. What did John Favreau direct? The Jungle Book. Z- oh, wait, no. Zathura. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did direct he the Jungle Book. The jungle book. I, Am I, wrong? I was going jungly. But no, he directed Zathura. You're right. You're right. <laughs> that, there, there's a lot more uh, that's similar about them than not. So now I'm just waiting for Joe Johnston to star in a movie where he's like a chef of some <laughs> he needs, sort. He needs to. But instead of being. <laughs> no, no. But instead of being a chef, he, he has his own ice cream truck. But it's like gourmet ice cream. And there's like an Oliver Platt character who's like an ice cream critic. I imagine Billy Campbell just comes in as a character where he he borrows money from Billy Campbell to start up this ice cream truck venture <laughs> he, or whatever. He almost and like Jennifer Jennifer Connelly is like his ex wife or something in like, the movie. He almost just has the characters just run in like as if they were the characters from the movie. Just like you just see Cliff Secord, not Cliff Secord, like running into the ice cream truck. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He's just like running away from people. You just see like a bunch of gangsters chasing after him. <laughs> No, and then uh, Alan Arkin, Alan, like the ice cream truck is falling apart, so like he, Alan Arkin puts a piece of gum on the ice cream truck, and he gets an ice cream cone. Thank you. <laughs> oh, so satisfying. But Captain America, oh, man, Captain America is one of the, is is really just an underappreciated gem. It's actually one of the lower one of the lower grossing um, entries in the MCU, which is kind of funny to think about because everybody loves. Winter Soldier and people, I don't love Civil War, but a lot of, I know a lot of people who do love Civil War. Mm-hmm. And it's just funny to think this movie didn't even gross $400 million. And in any other franchise, it wouldn't get a sequel. No, I think that the sad, the sad part of it was, and I, I, I say this just because this is how I felt at the time, 
it wasn't so much that I was I, I was excited to see it. It was more like I just want to get through this one so I can get to the Avengers. Yeah, you're just like marking time. So it's just like it's kind of a bummer. Like, okay, I'll watch this movie and then we'll get to the Avengers. Like, even just having the Avengers like trailer or some kind of trailer after the credits for this one, like it almost kind of. I don't know. That's why, like, it's one of the few MCU movies I don't wait after the credits for anymore. Yeah, I, I think it just—it's just a complete movie by itself on its own. You know what? It's actually kind of funny with this. I just realized we didn't even talk about like Bucky <laughs> in this whole thing. I was wondering how long we could go without talking Bucky. And it was like thirty-five minutes. Yeah, thirty-five minutes without talking about Bucky. Bucky's in this movie. All right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> You know what? You, listen, listen, listen. I'd be okay if we, look, Sebastian Stan, I love you, but I, I'd be okay if we just said Bucky exists and we move on. No, I mean, I'll say this much. If we're, if I wanted to like shift over to more like negative area of this movie, that's still like, I'm like, eh. Sure. I think Bucky does get more interesting in some of the later movies. And I'm really excited to see um, the Disney plus show with him and Falcon in the first movie. Like, yeah, you get the sense that they're friends and yeah, they have a few scenes, but then he just kind of dies. Like, you know it's coming, and it's just like, it feels anticlimactic, I'm sorry. <laughs> Especially because it's it's a tail, it's the tail end of a big montage scene, which was already kind of an issue for a lot of people, and so you're just watching the montage, like, oh, that's cool. And then, like, you, like, I, I would have said, have some kind of a battle scene with the two of them to, like, have them fight together. Like, actually get, like, a cool Captain Bucky fight scene, and they live through it, but then go into the next one. After, like, maybe, like, a, a moment where Bucky, like, feels invincible and then he dies. See, you know what's funny about what you just said is I, I like Bucky the best in this movie. <laughs> and then the other movies, I just don't, I could not, I, I, I couldn't, I can't be bothered to care. There's some good moments between them, like, with, um, with Chris Evans, Sebastian Stan, like, in the late, in the later movies, there's some really good moments. Mm. You know, like, um, I think, was it Civil War, where it's just like, you know, they were both, like, talking about how they're both, like, 100 years old, or some nonsense. Right. Some nonsense like that. Yeah. But that's why I'm actually excited for um, Falcon and Winter Soldier, because I'm like, I, I feel like I'm gonna get more invested in Bucky that way, because it's a, you know, each episode, I, if it's gonna be, like, the Mandalorian formula, like, 30-minute episodes eight episodes so i'll get more time with bucky so i'll feel like i'll actually get to know him because i feel like with the other especially with the other sequels um in the captain america series it feels like okay we're told a lot about bucky we do see some of it but i i, I for me personally it wasn't enough to get me to be like in that invested in it. it's just a personal thing you know i get that people no, really dude, enjoy it listen I started off this episode by saying that Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring, is just okay. You're fine. <laughs> no, dude. I feel I, I, I feel like there's gonna be like You're fine. I feel gonna have hell to pay, man. After this episode, I attacked Brian from Idaho. <laughs> I uh, you know criticized Bucky in this. <laughs> Listen, well, I'll say the Brian from Idaho thing was low. But, but you know you're fine with the you're, you're fine with the Bucky. Oh uh, yeah yeah yeah. You know uh, I could I could tolerate I could tolerate um, I could tolerate Bucky. I draw the line at insulting Brian from Idaho. <laughs> exactly. What are you doing? <laughs> we need we need people to listen. <laughs> oh my but god! You know, like, you know what? You know what? Oh, yeah. Oh no! Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say I was gonna say like again. I feel like. If Rocketeer was in a similar position as Captain America the First Avenger and was part of a big sprawling franchise, you know, I feel and it still had like this like a similar kind of performance, it would it would have been interesting to see 
what kind of uh, what kind of spinoffs there were. I know I forgot to mention this in the last part. There was like what was it, like a Disney Channel or like a Disney Junior. Disney Junior. Yeah, the Rocketeer show. I, I I know nothing about it except it's a Disney Junior show, basically. I do know Billy Campbell's in it. Right. Okay. I, I know that. <laughs> Billy Campbell getting paid. All right. Getting paid, and uh, the new Rocketeer's like a little like a little girl or something, and she has pink because she's a little girl. Nice. Kid, kid show logic. So. That's fine, um, but it, I, it's actually kind of crazy to think about think about these two because one's part of a big sprawling Disney owned franchise, and yet I would argue it's probably one of the more distinct members of that franchise, especially in the early years. And I think it's it's I don't want to say it's developed a cult following, but I, I definitely think it the appreciation for it has grown over the years. And then the Rocketeer didn't do very well when it came out. But as time has gone on, I think, you know, people have rediscovered it and rewatched it. And they're like, you know what? There, there's still some some gas in the tank on that one. That That's a really, really damn good time. And that's and you know what? I think that should be the ultimate lesson really about for, at least for today, at least for me, for today's episodes is that, you know, just because you're nostalgic for something or just because you feel a certain way about something, you know, doesn't mean that that's always going to be for both of us. We both are like, eh about Captain America when we first watched it. Even the Rocketeer, like, I didn't... I It was, like, I watched The Shadow and I watched Dick Tracy. I never... I maybe see saw, like, bits or pieces of The Rocketeer, but it wasn't one that I was really interested in. But um, with both these movies, like you're saying, um, after just re-watching them and giving them a second chance, you know, it's... it's you, you really grow to appreciate them just because, like, the at least for me, the timing for both was definitely a big thing because I'm just, I'm just focused on other things uh, with both of them. I'm focused on either Avengers or I'm focused on, I think the shadow when I was like four or five or whatever. And uh, so now like years later, revisiting these movies, um, it's just that nice reminder that, you know, these were actually great movies that sadly got overshadowed by a bunch of other nonsense, no pun intended. So give, give something a second chance and, you know, See see how you feel. You can both you can find both of these on Disney Plus again if you don't want to drop too much money. Um, that they're there, they're a lot of fun, and honestly, I think you could throw an Iron Man too. I, not Iron Man two, but you could throw no, an no, Iron Man first as one. well. The first you could one. throw an Iron Man as well. <laughs> For the love of God, the first one. <laughs> I want my bud. No. <laughs> You don't get it. You know what? I think about my brother with Iron Man 2, and I feel like that was a life-changing moment for him. Really? Because he's really into birds. So I imagine I imagine Whiplash was like a big like cornerstone of his life, was, was seeing a guy who wanted his bird. <laughs> anyway, anyway, throw in Iron Man 1 in, in with this. Make it a really fun triple feature. If I was going to say something, I would say it would really be interesting if your brother started talking in a Russian accent. <laughs> Joe Dindy Dan. I want my Dindy. Bring it to me now. In any case, this was a lot of fun to record as usual. Um, folks, what are some of your like favorite superheroes, pulp heroes? Do you like these movies? Let us know. If you don't, you can tell us. We're fine. We could take it. We could take it. And I promise I won't roast you as hard as I roasted Brian from Idaho. <laughs> I think you need to apologize to him. He didn't deserve that. <laughs> Brian, 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 listen, man, listen. It, I, you just caught me on a bad day, and, and I'm really sorry that 
that you were the victim of my anger. And um, yeah, let, let, let's let's uh, let's move on from that, shall we? That was very nicely said. Yeah. Anyway, that about wraps up today's show. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tune in next week. I'm Joe. And I'm Richard. Bye. <laughs>